Sometimes your haters are right. And sometimes your haters are giving you a really accurate depiction of what they see that's probably the closest thing to reality. Because look, self-awareness is about getting as accurate as you possibly can about who you are and what you do. And sometimes the most dangerous thing you can get is flattery. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of the stuff. <laughs> So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle Copeland. And I'm Edward J. Copeland. Right when I think you're going to be normal, you never are. If I do it all the time, isn't that my normal? I mean, I guess. Yep. But I thought you were just going to go right into, I'm Edward J. Copeland. You know, period. Period. That's yeah. okay. No, I needed to add a little flavor in your ear. Get it? Brand Flip. new Here flavor. Here comes a brand new flavor in, in your, your ear. ear. If you know, you know. All right. Anyways. Let's get started. Let's, let's get started with a what in the world. Yeah. So I have a what in the world. Okay. Yeah. And it's about you. Okay. Yeah. And um, if you're not watching this, you should start watching this, the Push Podcast on YouTube. But I just looked at Janelle with the stank face. What's your what in the world? <laughs> so my lovely, beautiful wife Me. has this tendency and it goes with her characteristics and, and, and who she is. She verbalizes how she feels very, very well. Like everything she's thinking and feeling, she can put it into words at some point in real time. Okay. Well, we recently, obviously, we've talked about this. We dropped off our daughter at, in College. Scotland. Mm-hmm. And, but on the way to the airport, it was the big five with the big three in the back. The uh, big five, yeah. meaning our uh, family of five. Five of five. Well, by then, the way, we never call them the big five. I know, but ever. you know, we okay. watched This Is Us, so we're going to still- They're the big three. They're the big three. Which are the three kids. The three kids, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Jasmine, Kayla, and Jordan, right? So we're all driving and- You know, it starts to hit us that like this is like the moment. And so things are getting a little emotional. And we've got about a 45 minute drive to the airport. Mm -hmm. And as we all getting a little bit emotional and everyone's starting to kind of shed some tears, my lovely wife kicks it off with looking at people going, are you crying? Are you actually? So I started that in the house before we left. Oh, you did start yeah. in the house, and you act like I do it like a blonde, like super stupid. No, no. you do it, but you look people I in their see, eye and you go, "Oh, well, you crying?" Well, I saw Jordan, who's not super emotional, right. when we were home and we were packing, and the the morning was just kind of going fast because we were leaving for Scotland. Right, and she walked past me several times, and we were talking all morning, and then I saw her, and her eyes were puffy. And I was like, are you crying? <laughs> like, it's a legitimate, like, my daughter's crying, no. so I have to say. But you always tell the story as though it's a stupid question. It's so, not a stupid question. So considering that things... today's podcast is about self-awareness, I'm going to tell you, hey, you brought something to my awareness. Obviously, the next time I see you cry, I'm not going to give two fucks. <laughs> I'm not going to, it's not going to phase me at all. The next time I see you cry, I'm not going to say, Oh my God, are you emotional? Are you crying? I'm not going to respond at fucking all. Just mark my words, people. 
because then they start to chastise me. Well, when someone's crying, you don't ask them if they're crying. Yeah, I'm the mother of the house. I was looking at you all morning long and you were fine. And now you're crying and I don't know why. So I wasn't expecting it's, you to be emotional. I know, we know that it's all love, honey. Right, we, but we I'm know. not asking any of you fuckers anymore if you're sad, if you're hurt, if someone cut your leg off. I'm not going to ask you. I don't want to see your, your tears ever you again. Can, I don't think you can keep that promise, but I will say that it is really funny because a person could be on a verge of crying and then my wife says, are you crying? And it just, it's over. At yeah, that point. I just don't, it's I like, agree like, with you. Like Everything a, you're saying is right. But the way that you're making it sound, like I'm just like, are you crying? Like, no, no, you no, don't do it that I'm way. like, no. I, and you act like I'm calling people out. No, you're not. But it's just, but I'm like, it's just a oh funny my God, you're thing. crying. Are you crying? Like, <laughs> I'm not aware of this. Like, I didn't know you were sad. I didn't know you're hurt. Like, I, I'm more concerned. But from now on, I'm just on, what is today? October 11th at 1.16 p.m. I'm never going to ask you if you're sad. The next time you cry in front of me, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's my, and I know and I sound somebody, defensive. And that's my second one in the world. She's right. gotten real crazy. <laughs> She's gotten real And I know I sound crazy. defensive, but I don't understand how that's like a, well, it's not like I run up to you no, and go, are you crying? No, like I'm not, egging it on. Not that. that would be really it's annoying. But it, what, and that's why I gave context. You didn't give any. I, I gave did. all the context. No, I gave context to like your personality. Like you are a person that, no matter how you're feeling, you can you'll express it verbally. Mm -hmm. Where a lot of people don't verbalize their emotions in the moment, and so you kind of not force it, but you push people to do so. And I think that's what kind of drains the well for tears because that's when they start to really come out because now they have to do it. So I think what you're doing is effective. Don't you have a friend? You don't. You don't have friends. But I was going to say, oh, no. don't you have <laughs> a friend yes. that could like notice and say like, oh, my God, something's wrong with you. What's wrong? Are you crying? Are you emotional? And then, yes, you fall into their arms and you cry. Right. Like everybody needs that friend. Clearly, you're not that friend for me. And I'm not going to be that friend for you going forward. I'm not your friend. When you're upset, I ask you. I know when you're upset. Yeah. And you ask me, are you crying? <laughs> but I don't talk about it on no, a way in the say, world. I'll say, I'll, oh, no. And I'll give you a hug. Like, I just assume that you are crying because I can see the tears. Yeah, because I tell you I'm ask, crying. You're asking people to validate. You're crying, right? I just want to make sure you're aware that I'm aware that you're I just crying. need some help and some backup. Any moms out there that, like, know their family, they know their kids, and you see your kid crying, you're like, oh, my God, are you crying? Like, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a valid question. Now, if I see somebody getting emotional and I'm that super annoying, like, obvious and I run up and I go, oh, are you crying? As though it's like chisme or something. No, that's really stupid. So yeah. I don't know. I don't get your what in the world. I don't agree with it, but oh well. <laughs> okay. Today's about self-awareness. You want me to be aware of something? I'm not going to ask I you anymore. I didn't say it was a problem. I just said it was funny. It's a joke. Yeah. It's funny. Well, I'm not here to make you laugh. Okay. Just kidding. So I guess my what in the world, I was kind of like going through, I have to do a better job at keeping track and kind of writing them down, but one of my what in the world is like I meet people throughout the week and then, you know, they ask me what I do for a living and I tell them and then they're like, oh, show me how to find your podcast. And if I've had a weird interaction with you, now I cannot talk about you on the podcast. I disagree. What I do think, you mean? I think you can Oh, yeah, because you always tell me, so what? Talk about it. Yeah. And I don't mean talk about you in a bad way, but I mean, if there was like an awkward interaction or 
just something that I would come home and talk to my family about. And right. maybe we laughed a little bit about it, not laughing at you, but the interaction. Well, we're laughing with the people, right? Yeah, but and I so can't say, hey, I visited X, Y, and Z this week. And let me tell you what happened because then it would be kind of like I'm making fun. And I'm not making fun, but there's always a lesson, right? So right. like, Someone embarrassed me in a public place this week, like really loud, like came up to me. They recognized who I was and I'm here for it. I'm so appreciative. It humbles me every time, but like announced my name in a public place. And I was like oh, really taken back by it because I was trying to make myself small in the space. And then I was like, oh, that was an interesting way to approach someone. <laughs> so there's always a lesson. It's never like, a, oh, that person's weird or stupid. It's right. like, oh, well, that didn't make me feel good considering I was trying to kind of like lay low. Right. Make right, sense? Right. Makes sense. Okay. Here's a, a what in the world. We're getting ready to leave in about 10 days for New Orleans. Right. My brother and my sister-in-law are getting married, but they're already married. Yeah. Last year for COVID, their wedding was canceled. And so it's being rescheduled in New Orleans again for October 24th. Mm. And so we'll be leaving in a few days. Mm -hmm. And my wedding dress that I got, my bridesmaid dress, it doesn't fit this year in the weirdest way. You know where? Where? The length. It's did, too short. Did you get taller? I don't think so. But That's it's impressive like if you did. three inches too short. Like so ridiculously short that I just cannot wear it. Maybe. So that's kind yeah. of, so then I was panicking all this weekend, like trying to, not panicking, but trying to find a sequin dress that would like match and how can I, so to pay all this money to expedite it, I've already called customer service twice to make sure it got shipped. That's a weird thing. So I've had the dress for a year. You're still growing. Oh, you're such a growing person. I don't want to grow anymore. <laughs> I actually want to shrink. <laughs> and then last what in the world is ice strings. Jordan what? asked me the other day, she said, mom, oh, you know God. how like you get something in your eye and you pull it out with a Q-tip and it's like a string and it drags across your eye. And I Gross. was like, what in the hell are you talking Take about? To the doctor, kid. And she's like, you don't get eye strings. I'm like, eye strings. What are you talking about? Like, and so it was this whole thing. We spent about an hour. She's Googling it. She's showing me these TikTok videos. So there, I implore you to look it up. Eye strings. It really, they get black. It's basically mucus in your in your eye, like an eye booger. And then you grab it from the corner. But if you've worn mascara or oh, eyeliner or something, now it's black. And then you pull it. Somehow you stretch it over your entire eyeball, which seems really stupid. Just pull it from the corner. But there are all these videos about eye strings. So I was today years old, yesterday years old when I found out about eye strings. That's weird. Yeah, I could have gone forever, not ever finding them out. I don't suffer from them. You guys still so. don't wear makeup. Right. But if you don't wear makeup, people still have them. Well, I don't know. Right. Let's try it later. Tomorrow morning when you wake up. I'm not going to scrape. Instead of washing your face like a normal person, you should just get a Q-tip and try to pull it. From the corner of your eye all the way across. It's really stupid. Yeah. Did you try it already? No. Okay. I told her that my mucus doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, what, my, what, yeah, that's my wedding world. When people have odd things about them, they think everybody shares. Oh my Keep gosh. It to yourself. No, I was joking. Okay. So <laughs> let's jump into today's topic. Why are we talking about a victim mentality versus growing into self awareness? Yeah. I mean, this is something I think for me, I was telling you that keeps kind of showing up and, and coming up is is this this idea of self-awareness. And and one of the things that we all can say that we, you know we've all struggled with 
a lack of self-awareness at some point in our lives, whether it be a certain situation, a certain thing, a certain relationship, your career, whatever it is, there's certain things that we get into that we get blinded, right? But one of the things that's like a byproduct is when you have poor self-awareness, it's very easy to be a victim. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to fall into a place where you think things are happening to you and you have very little control over them. And an old book that we read a long time ago, I don't know if you remember, but it was the Oz Principles, Mm -hmm. right? And the Oz Principles- We did a podcast episode on it. We did? Mm -hmm. It's like in the first like 10 or 15 episodes, it's called- Something about the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, the Wizard of Oz. And so if you didn't mm-hmm. listen to it, and I'll give you a quick summary. Basically, you got all these people. If you've never seen the Wizard of Oz, I don't know what happened to your childhood, but go back. You were robbed. You were robbed from the Wizard of Oz. Not that it's groundbreaking, but it's just- you It's just, a pretty freaking it, good movie. Yeah. So basically, you go through this whole story, and these individuals uh, are missing something, mm-hmm. right? Dorothy wants to go home. She's mm-hmm. missing her family. She doesn't have her family. The Scarecrow is missing her, um, a brain. Right. Um, the lion's missing courage, the tin man's missing a heart, all these things, right? Mm -hmm. They go on this journey and they're all going on a journey because they're wanting someone to give them something, Mm -hmm. right? And along the way, they're talking about how they've been victimized. They Mm -hmm. didn't get it. The straw, when they built me, they didn't give me a heart, right? They always pick on. So Mm -hmm. yeah, so they're all victims of this circumstance. And then they're waiting for the wizard, who's a freaking fraud, to (laughs) give them something that they... An external outside force. Yeah, an outside force to give them something that they're missing. Mm -hmm. The reality is on the journey, they all show that. They find themselves and they all have actually what they've been looking for, but they don't have good Mm self-awareness to see it, right? So spoiler alert, we just gave you the entire plot. Yeah, you haven't. It's 100 years (laughs) old, people. If you haven't seen The Wizard of Oz, I mean, what would you do in the last 100 years? But the key thing to understand is that like Dorothy wanting a family, but she had a family around her, mm-hmm. right? All the lion, all those people became her family, mm-hmm. yet she still was looking for something she already had. And so sometimes you were a victim when it's not accurate. Right. You're actually not a victim. You actually have everything you possibly need. In fact, the struggle and the problem you're going through is probably the thing you most need to help you go further in life. Right. So Here's some ways to help you identify if you are struggling with like playing the victim role or you slip into the victim mentality quite frequently. So number one, you might um, manipulate or abuse others verbally or physically and then blame it on the fact that they upset you. Oh, God. People like lose their temper all the time. You know, I wouldn't have done it if you wouldn't have <laughs> you made, made me angry. You made me do that right? to you. Oh God. <laughs> but that's, that's like you're the victim. You're right. you're so lacking self-awareness that you are able to lose control based on something that someone so else does. You victimize someone, but then you become the victim of the victimization. Right. Well, I only created. did it because you made me this way. That's the victim. It's the, that's well, crazy. Okay. Go ahead. So moving on to number two, you rely on and try to influence other people's sympathy to gain support and compassion. So think about commiserating with your friends. You know, I'm having a tough time in my relationship or at work. I'm going to run to my friends who I know will give me the compassion and the empathy that I need to make myself feel better because why? They love me. They're trying to support me, but I'm only giving them the one-sided narrative. And Mm. that's the narrative that makes me the victim. Wow, that's a, we got a lot to say about that. Right. That's, that's, that's interesting. Okay, number three, for every area that you're stuck in in life, you think that you are the victim of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. So things just keep happening to me. I can't ever catch a break. This is like a common one, but you know anything that's unfavorable in your life, there's something that 
you could complain about you're the victim and things just kind of keep stacking up for you. Then you know that you slip into that victim mentality. Right. Number four, this is kind of a different type of a victim, but you tend to form like relationships and romantic partnerships or friendships with individuals who are disrespectful towards you or who mistreat you, abuse you, or take advantage of you. And then you make yourself the victim in the beginning, maybe unknowingly, but then you're still always the victim. Right. And, you know, so you like repeat these patterns because they confirm your biases. Mm. So they put you in the role that you you always see yourself. You, so you see yourself you, and as identify victim. as a victim. So, you so then you situations. unconsciously select romantic partnerships and friendships where you can be the victim. See, I told you you couldn't trust men. Wow. See, you know, friends yeah. never have my back like I have their back. You know, right. someone told me this week, you know, well, my friend never likes my social media posts. And I was like, well, do you post them for your friend or do you post them for you? <laughs> right? Because- And then, so here's something just quickly that I'll say about that. If someone doesn't like your social media posts and you say that verbally out loud, you know, well, they don't like any of my social media posts. One, you think real highly of yourself. You think that they're doing nothing but watching you, right? Right. Two, you could say, well, you know, I know that they see it. Okay, well, maybe they don't like it or engage in it because maybe it triggers them. So for example, if I post that I'm going to Greece and we have this amazing time in Greece and one of my friends doesn't like it, maybe one of my friends is going through a financial issue and it really pains her to watch me win in this season of her life because it makes her feel bad. But you never go there because you think you're a victim. Right. Wait, what? You would never go to that narrative or, or understand that perspective. Because you feel like you're being victimized. But I understand that perspective as the person who's posting it. Like, I don't expect you all to like all my posts because, like, do you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to make myself the victim if you don't like my stuff because there could be some reason. Like, there's something behind it. That's good self-awareness is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, last one. um, Taking responsibility for any of your life. Like, again, everything's happening to you, but you're finding a way to make it everyone else's problem. Number six, you have a problem being assertive. So you live in these repeating patterns of submissiveness or passiveness. And so people generally take advantage of you. Well, partially because people want personal gain, Mm -hmm. but also because you're so passive that you let them, right? Mm. So that's a different type of victimhood, but it's still, you could repeat that victimhood in other areas of your life. Like if you're a pushover, if you're a yes person, if you overextend yourself for everyone else, at some point it's going to come up that everyone takes advantage of you. Well, I think that that one right there is in the, the epitome of a lack of like self-awareness because, you know, you move into that victim mentality and then you move into this place where you you don't want to make really big decisions. You don't want to take uh, chances or risks. You don't want to put yourself out there because you really don't know what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. And so because you lack that self-awareness of your own capabilities, it's far easier just to stay in a, in a place where you don't really take any of that action and you let other people do things for you or take the lead. And what's interesting, and as you read the last one, and we can talk a little bit more about it, but some of these things sound so severe that people may be listening. Oh, that's not me. That's not me. Mm-hmm. That's not me. But I would tell you that it's probably far more subtle than you think. So tell me about a time where you have recognized that you were playing the role of a victim and then there had to be some shift to get you into self-awareness. Yeah. So when, back when I was a young leader with 
I would say Circuit City, mm-hmm. I was in a store that was super old. Mm-hmm. Like it was like in the middle of Pomona. Um, it was kind of a dungeon. It was a dungeon of a store, like the Terrible old neighborhood. model mm-hmm. Circuit City with the plug, mm-hmm. dim lighting, like old fixtures, everything about it screamed. Like it did not make it to the modern era. Right. And Meanwhile, then, I got put in a you brand got, new store. You got put into a remodeled store. Perfect team. Perfect team. High revenue. Like in, in, lots in of the it. heart of a thriving, growing yeah. community. Company recognition. All this. The store I was in was below the poverty line, like right. the, the community. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, and then we had another friend that was in another remodeled store in a very high, you know, affluent neighborhood. Affluent neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? And so. I'm looking at like their results and I'm looking at mine and I'm thinking to myself, all I can think about is all of the chips are stacked against me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think I had the resilience and the fortitude at that age and that maturity to understand like what I needed to do. So all I can think about was I was put in this situation and it's not my fault what these results are. And I are, can't ever win and in I this situation. I can't win. Mm-hmm. And it really got to me. It really right. got to a place where I was really upset by the circumstances because I didn't think that it was fair. I was like, I'm up against these same results and I can't do it. And so it was a subtle thing. It wasn't like I immediately say, oh, this is not fair. Mm -hmm. It was a subtle, like one thing happened and I would have a visit with a a leader and it didn't go well. Mm -hmm. And then that, you know, I was getting feedback and I didn't like the feedback. And then like little things would happen. And I would just kind of get to this place where I was just like, I can't win. Yeah. Right. And so it was very much, and then I would seek out only those that would affirm that, mm-hmm. right? And I would have conversations, and anytime someone would push back, it'd be a debate of that I needed to win. Well, that was definitely a challenging time for us in our marriage for many reasons. I think you were stuck in that place of like, I've got everything stacked against me, but I just remember like if I called you and said, hey, because we shared the same boss, if I called you and said, hey, you know, such and such said you didn't turn this in or you didn't do this, you'd get really defensive with me and you were just angry. Like, well, you don't know what I'm dealing with over here. And so it caused some problems between us as well. Yeah. And so I think that knowing that, that feeling, that emotion and understanding it, I want everyone who's listening to this to know that like a victim mentality is a subtle thing. You slide into it and it's not pervasive, meaning that it's not in every aspect of your life. But it can be in areas that really matter, right? You can have really good self-awareness with your relationship and your family and poor self-awareness in your career, right? Mm -hmm. Or vice versa. And so you just have to make sure you understand, like, even though what Janelle just wrote, read out, sounds like really out there, like people are like, oh, I don't surround myself with people that, you know, but do you? Right. Right. And I agree with you. Like we meet a lot of business owners that are running businesses. I mean, I've been the victim in my business many times, right? Just you think that, oh my God, it's this community, it's this season, it's the government. Like you just there's it's so easy to blame your lack of performance, especially when you're an entrepreneur, because no one's coming to save you. No one's coming to hold you accountable. No one's coming to double check your work. So if you are badly performing and you blame it on an exterior circumstance, then people will validate it, right? Right. So it's easy. It's like it lets you off the hook. So that's the question today. What area in your life are you complaining about that maybe there's an unfavorable outcome? Maybe the chips are stacked against you and maybe it's I'm not getting promoted at work. I've interviewed four times and I still can't catch a break. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your relationships. 
What area in your life do you feel like you're currently losing at, which probably there's a little bit of victimhood attached to it? Yeah. And I think that you mentioned some things in that, like there's indicators. I think when people don't get promotions, when they don't get the job they want, when they didn't get the business deal, it's very easy for the boyfriend. Yeah. It's very easy Mm -hmm. for them to push it away and not make it their responsibility because you don't want it to be right. Because, and, and if you don't have the right foundation of resilience, what ends up happening when you do make it like all on you, it debilitates you. Yeah. And, ma- and then you start to self-identify as a person that's not worth it. You think it's hopeless. Mm-hmm. You think that you're helpless, right? And I think that you don't think you're worthy of certain things. And I think that spirals you into a, a big place. And I think that for me in my career, that was a moment where I felt like it was hopeless. I felt like I was helpless. Like I didn't have help. I didn't have my own self to look at that time. Mm-hmm. But I do remember when it kind of changed for me Mm -hmm. and we can get into some of the things you can do, but I just want everyone to really sit back and have a really good self-reflection moment. There's a place in your life that you're not getting the results you want. Who have you given that to, right? Because sometimes you give it to your customers, you give it to Mm -hmm. your boss, but we want you to stop there and and say, okay, how can I take responsibility? Yeah, I love that. Okay, so we're going to share five steps that can help you move from victimhood, victim mentality into greater self-awareness. And I think we have stories to share on how these steps helped us with the times that we've maybe slipped into victimhood. So number one, ask good questions. I'd say ask better questions. When things are happening to you and you feel like the victim, you ask questions like, why does this stuff always have to happen to me? Can't I catch a break? Is there ever going to be a good time or good moment or, you know, just like, it's like, why, why, why? Right. And I think better questions to ask would be, what can I do to play a different role in this situation? I love that. I know that has happened to me many times. I mean, we've been talking a lot lately about co-parenting and understanding the assignment of co-parenting, but I just want to be real. Co-parenting has not always been easy. Mm -hmm. And there've been times where I felt really frustrated. There've been times where I have felt very much like the victim and it's a tough role to step in as a stepmom and kind of take the back seat in certain circumstances. You're the mom every day, but then you're not the mom on mother's day. And there's just a lot of things that if I really think about it, I can definitely be the victim in that entire narrative if I wanted to. Right. And so focusing on questions like, what am I expecting to get if I continue to make myself the victim? Is this going to help the situation? The answer is no, right? Right. And so asking better questions of whatever situation it is that is unfavorable for you right now, I think will help you create better self-awareness. And I love how you frame those examples because I think that when you ask a question that is a good question. And then it also moves you to action. Like you have to position in a way where you are forced to come up with a response that makes you go do something about your situation. And the reason why we've tied like victimhood and a self-awareness together is because when you really get aware of who you are, you actually see your true power, mm-hmm. right? And you no longer give that power away. You don't outsource that power to someone else you take it back. And I think those questions of saying, what can I do tomorrow to change this? Yeah. So a good strategy is to stop asking why questions, why questions make you the victim, you know, why it's like, you're asking dumb questions of the air 
and you'll get no great response and it won't be helpful, right? But if you say, what, what role did I play in causing some of this? What can I do differently tomorrow? What does this situation need from me? What am I supposed to learn from this? If you ask from why questions to what questions, that's a step. And then also ask yourself, is the question I'm asking myself actually going to help me with the situation? If the answer is no, then it's a shitty, stupid question. (laughs) Yes, it is. Step number two, which is find the responsibility. And this is one that takes a lot of skill and practice, but I think people that can find and assume responsibility for the thing that's unwanted in their life, those are the people that really learn how to create massive self-awareness, right? So back to kind of my situation with, you know, being a stepmom. Yeah, things aren't really fair. Yeah, things are kind of unfavorable. But if I can take responsibility for how I'm showing up in those situations, then it just makes me feel so much better. Like I'm not being blown around by the situation. I'm saying, you know what? It doesn't help if I show up and I'm upset or I'm emotional or I add, I'm basically worsening the situation versus if I can get myself together and I can be mature about it and I can be emotionally intelligent about this and then just kind of forge ahead, I would show up differently in the situation, which would give me a more favorable outcome. Yeah. The reason why I think that's so important is because majority of the things that happen in the world are outside of your control, Mm -hmm. right? And so fault is not going to necessarily change anything. Yeah. And I think a lot of times when we point fingers, when we, we blame, we're trying to offload the emotion, the sadness, the disappointment onto someone else. But the fact of the matter is that it actually doesn't improve the situation, right? right? Getting someone to take ownership, that's great. But really focusing on yourself and saying, how do I make this my responsibility? How do I make this something I can take charge in and be a leader for? And I think that's where you get to a place where you start leading yourself is Mm -hmm. when you say, how can I take responsibility for this? One of the things that I do that's really strange and no one ever really knows, but if I go into a dirty bathroom and there's stuff on the floor... I take responsibility for it mm-hmm. and I actually grab a piece of paper and I'll clean it up and then throw it in trash because I, I just felt like if I can leave this better than I found, it's just it's one little act of me practicing mm-hmm. responsibility that I think can show up in all different aspects of my yeah, life. Yeah. Okay. So great example with the restroom, right? Things, uh, and this is what I'll say about this last one, step number two, the responsibility piece. Things are not always going to be your fault, but right. you can always take responsibility in those unwanted situations. Like, I couldn't control how I was parented when I was younger, but I can take responsibility today to not be a victim of those circumstances, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. I can take responsibility by continuing to learn how to be a better parent or how to change things for the next generation, right? Right. And so responsibility is super important, but back to your bathroom. Reference. Thank you. I went to David's Bridal yesterday in Brea. I'm just going to put it out there and tell you. Their bathroom looked like shit. Hadn't been cleaned forever. There was no toilet paper on the roll. There were rolls on the floor. I didn't take the step that you are saying, like, I didn't clean up their bathroom because you could tell it hadn't been cleaned in a very long time. There's only so much you can do sometimes. But I did look in the cabinet. I found a roll of toilet paper, and I took it upon myself in a public place to refill and restock their toilet paper. And so, yeah, I do think that leaving things in a better shape than when you found them is a great way to take a small step towards 
taking responsibility for something that's not your fault. Right. But that's a whole nother podcast because that's like people saying, that's not my job. Right. If you have a, that's not my job mentality, then it's likely that this step is really difficult (laughs) for you. Yes, it is. Like a hundred (laughs) percent. Am I right? Yeah. If you utter those words, I got to tell you, that's not my job. I I love with you all my heart, but you're driving me crazy secretly. And I don't know that you're saying it, but I can feel it. Yeah. Because that whole idea of it's not my job, to me, it's like it manifests in, in so many things you yep. do. Mm-hmm. Like when people want to get promoted, but they also say when certain things are not their job, then I always say it will never be your job. Yep. It will never be the thing that you get. When you right? want to get promoted, you have to assume the responsibilities in the next level to kind of show a little glimpse of what you're capable right. of. But if you're only ever performing within the constraints of your job description, you'll never get promoted. Right. So if you are a victim right now because you've been passed over for job positions, I'm going to tell you right now you can take responsibility show up tomorrow and do someone else's job. And I guarantee you'll be promoted in the next few months. Absolutely. Moving on from that. Step number three in how to go from victim mentality to find better self-awareness, reach out and gain perspective. So we were talking about this and I said, "Mm, you think that people should be going to people who could give them the real. I want to share this quick story. When I owned the Cake Mamas, I had an employee. Her name was Alex. She was wonderful. I guess the first week of her job, I made her cry. And here's how it went. We would take pictures from customers and she was supposed to sculpt this little pig to go on top of a little cupcake, right? Right. And so, you know, it's her first like two days working in the bakery. And I think she didn't get the memo. Again, taking responsibility. One of the things that we told all of our decorators is, we don't completely replicate other people's work. Mm. So if a customer brings a little image of a pig in, we have to figure out how we're going to make it our version of a cake mama's pig, not someone else's pig, right? right? But we can take the idea, the inspiration, whatever. So we missed the boat with that. So Alex, you know, took an order. She was working on one of her first orders and she sculpted this pig and made it exactly the way that it looked on the picture, right? So I walk over and I'm like, oh, what are you working on? And she goes, oh, I just finished this little pig. And I was like, oh, let me see the picture. So I look at the picture and I go, oh, Alex, just because that pig looks like shit on that picture doesn't mean yours has to look like shit. (laughs) And I meant it in the most joking and fun and loving way. And that's just my kind of cool personality. But I didn't realize how that would come off to someone who didn't know me, (laughs) who was trying to impress me, who was trying to get familiar with our company culture. Did you say, Alex, are you crying? I uh, Maybe. (laughs) So she didn't cry at work, actually, right? She said that she went home and cried. She didn't tell me this, by the way, till like at least her first year anniversary. That's hilarious. So she was like, one day, you know, you made me cry on my like second day at work. And I was like, so floored. Wait, I did? And so she said, I went home and I told my whole family, you know, my boss told me that the thing that I made looked like shit. And I was like, but it did look like shit. I don't understand. Like we made it look cuter or whatever. And so we laughed because she just didn't understand what I was saying and I didn't deliver it the right way. Right. And so I said, what did your parents say? And she said, this is the important part of this. She said, they asked, my mom asked me, well, did it look like shit? And I said, Yes. And she goes, then what you crying for? (laughs) And so here is what I'm talking about. Number three is reach out and gain perspective. This is Eddie's vote. This is his contribution. First thing I can think of is most people don't always have a great circle of influence Mm. where they would give you open and honest perspective because how that could have looked a lot different 
is Alex could have went home, cried to her family, said that her boss made her cry, told her her work looked like shit, and her family, her entire family at dinner could have said, she's a terrible boss. Mm -hmm. How dare her talk to you like that? I'm calling her tomorrow. As a matter of fact, don't go back the next day and I'm going to write a review. I'm going to tell everyone what a terrible boss she is, Right, right? right? So a lot of times... That's the perspective that someone's going to give you, especially if you go crying to them and you want empathy and compassion. Usually people don't know how to act and they're going to give you exactly what you want. So this is like a slippery slope. Go ahead. Take it from here. No, I agree. I agree. I think that I think if you are in search of good self-awareness, self-awareness is not going to be something that is just falls in your lap. You actually have to work at it and you have to be conscious of it, right? It's a different type of kindness to yourself mm-hmm. where you're getting clarity and not the noise of flattery, the noise of of maybe just negative because sometimes you just get negative constructive things that you know maybe don't necessarily help promote your self-esteem. Just depends on the person. But I do think that you have to ask for feedback in a way that allows people to be honest with you because it's safe. Yeah. Right. And that may be, Hey, I've been really struggling at work and this is something that, you know, I really need your help. I need you to be honest and let me know, like, what do you think that I could be doing wrong or what can I be doing better? Because I really want to make an improvement here. Like that gives people the permission to be honest because you're truly looking for help. If you go to someone and you're just offloading your frustrations, most times, to your point, people are going to want to align with you. They're going to want to make you feel better because they see you hurt, especially yeah. people who care about you. But it takes a special individual that will say, hey, I know you feel bad about this, but I, you're completely wrong. Yeah. right? I, you are off track completely with this. And you got to embrace those relationships. Like One of the things I wrote down in the, in the notes was sometimes your haters are right, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes your haters are giving you a really accurate um, depiction of what they see that's probably the closest thing to reality. Because look, self-awareness is about getting as accurate as you possibly can about who you are and what you do, right? And the last thing you want to do is, and I've done a a daily push on this, is that sometimes the most dangerous thing you can get is flattery, Mm -hmm. right? Especially when you need someone to be really specific and really honest that this is what you're doing is not really working. This is how you show up for me. I understand that you're struggling at work, but those are the same things you struggle with when it comes to this aspect and that we've been a part of together. Whatever it may be, I think those things are important. Yeah. So I want to give a little plug for the Guide to Thrive 90-Day Journal, which if you haven't heard about it, you can go to the show notes or you can go to Amazon and just type in 90-Day Guide to Thrive. You can just type in Janelle Copeland on Amazon and it'll come up. And this journal is really to create better self-awareness. Obviously, it helps with focus. It helps to keep you on track. But I do want to tell you, one of the daily, nightly reflections, every single day is going to ask you to create some self-awareness. So it will ask you questions like, if someone whose opinion mattered to me provided me feedback on their observations of me today, they would say blank. Right. Well, most of us know the answer to that, but we don't take the time every single day to sit there and say, how are other people perceiving me? How might my family, you know, think that I behaved today or did I lose my shit today, right? Another one would be, what are some areas or opportunities my coworkers or teammates might want to discuss with me, but don't feel comfortable sharing? Mm. 
Those are really good questions. You get 30 days worth of those questions in this journal to help you create better self-awareness. So I definitely think that you should go check that out if this episode is something that's resonating with you. But you want to find people that are going to kind of disagree with your initial thought process. Yeah. You got to find those people who have the courage to say, yeah, nah, I don't see it that way. You might be looking at this wrong. You may be And, you know, and I would say, even though you said I didn't have friends, I I do. I have friends, I think, that are are really honest and they don't care about your feelings. They're going to tell you what they see. And you got to respect that. And I think that's why we work well. Right. And I think because you understand that the intentions are not to harm, the intentions are to help. Mm -hmm. And I think one way, if you're listening to this and maybe none of this is, is resonating with you, but I will tell you this. If you can go back and say for the last three, maybe six months that no one has given you unsolicited feedback, then you know you have a self-awareness problem. Mm. If someone hasn't come to you and said, hey, can I give you feedback on this? Then that means that there's something that you're not approachable. You have probably a an aura around you where people think that I can't tell this person the truth because they can't handle it. I can't tell this person the truth because they're emotional, whatever the case may be, then you definitely have a self-awareness issue. Or you need better friends. Or you need better friends, yeah. but even bad friends on occasions will mm-hmm. be right. Like, what is it? The clock is right. A, a broken clock is right at least two times a day. Oh, my gosh. Okay, number four, get accurate. Look at the problems and wins in your life. What did you do to create them? This, to me, kind of takes us back to your responsibility, but do you want to dive into this a bit more? Yeah, I think it's important when you're doing self-awareness and you're trying to work yourself out of your victimhood. So I think when I think about when I was at in a low point in time, there were a few things that like inspired me to really get accurate. And that was Earl Nightingale at the mm-hmm. time. And I was listening to it and it made me think about, okay, what am I creating? Because one of the biggest things he talks about is that you create your reality. Mm-hmm. What you think is what you create, right? And Napoleon Hill and all the thinking grow rich and all those things around what we think manifests itself and who we are. And so I started thinking about like, okay, the things I win at, I take all the accolations for, mm-hmm. but the things I'm losing at right now, I'm taking zero. So there is a problem within itself, mm-hmm. right? And so that was a point of getting more accurate of saying, okay, what are my strengths right now that I can leverage? And then what are my weaknesses that I can mitigate somehow, some way by some type of improvement or delegation? And so the biggest problem for me at that time as a leader is I wasn't holding people accountable for mm-hmm. what they were supposed to be doing. I was putting it all on my own back. Mm-hmm. And then that's why I was struggling. So the reason why I wanted to, it's important to get accurate is because you need to make an assessment of the wins and you probably look at your wins going, oh, I did this, I did this, I did this. This is why I'm so good at this Giving thing. yourself all the credit. <laughs> I'm a but, genius when right. it comes to this. But then you look at the things that you're struggling with and it's this person, this person, that right. person, this mm-hmm. thing, the government, all these things. Right. And so to get more accurate, you have to make a quick assessment of saying, what did I contribute to this failure? Well, I didn't do it on time mm-hmm. or... I didn't set this person up. I didn't delegate that, right? I wasn't really specific. When whatever it may be, if it's a weight loss goal, I wasn't specific with my goal. That's why I didn't yeah, get it. I didn't stick to my diet. I didn't, you're right. If it's your finances, you know, I didn't pay my bills on time. Right, right. I overextended myself. I bought a car I couldn't afford. I said yes to too many things and I wasn't monitoring my income, you know? Right. So generally speaking, when you have a really painful problem, there's something that you could have done to play a different part to warrant a different outcome. Yeah, and it's not to, and like I said, it's a different type of kindness, right? And so it's not to it's beat not your, blame, it's not to beat yourself up, but but it's to say, oh, 
oh, I did that. Right. Okay. If I owned it enough and had enough control that my behavior and performance led to its failure, then the opposite would be true as well. Mm-hmm. If I change my performance and my behavior, then I can get a better result. Right. And so I think that's how you get really accurate on your current situations. You got to look at your wins. You got to look at your losses and say, okay, how do I say, how do I add those things up? And the next one, the last one is about future setting. And what I mean by future setting is when you think about our best advice sometimes comes from a place where we think about ourselves in the future, okay. right? Well, I say, hey, 10 years from now, how will I look at the decisions that I'm making right now? Mm-hmm. How will I look at this situation? Because sometimes you know you'll be looking at it from a perspective that probably in hindsight says, oh, you own that. You didn't do that right. Yeah. You could have did this better, mm-hmm. right? I think that and that gives you a really good place to, you know, to kind of give yourself feedback. Yeah, agree 100%. So I hope this episode was helpful for you. Hopefully it helps you ask better questions of yourself. It helps you find better friends. And most importantly, it helps you move into a place of self-growth and personal development so that we can all continue to grow, achieve more, you know, experience more love and joy. And so, yeah, that wraps up this episode of The Push Podcast. So don't be a victim. Don't be a victim. You can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. That's right. Right. Head over to Amazon and search the 90 day guide to thrive. If you want to hold yourself accountable to better self-awareness every single day and also take 30 seconds to leave a review for this podcast. If it was something that you enjoyed, please share it with your friends, with your family. Be careful with this one, though, because you're like, I'm going to send this to my husband because he is always the victim. I'm going <laughs> to share it, but also be mindful. So <laughs> have a great day, you guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave your handle. And until next time, push through.